Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey, it is great to see you guys for leadership night here at Summit Church. Uh, I am your host, Mel Massingale. I'm so glad you guys are here. For those of you here in the room, appreciate it. Thanks for being a part. And and for me, I'm so grateful for you guys because you want to grow your leadership. And uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, Don't forget, we do this the first first Wednesday night of every month. um, And we try to mix it up some. And uh, those of you that are here last month, John Stanco was with us. And I would expect John to be back with us again soon. In fact, I think um, maybe this fall we might do something with John where we do two or three months in a row and have some, some benchmarks where we give you guys maybe some homework and go, hey, between now and the next, work on this. Then we come back and do some more. So uh, that was really good. If you missed it, you can uh, find that on the, the, um, the podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can find that. So let us know. Um, if you're new, uh, format for, the, for Leadership Night is basically... Um, I share some leadership principles, talk through some ideas, and then we spend about half the time just unpacking that together, walking through that. What does that mean? How does that apply? And uh, what does that look like in our context? Um, And so that's really what we'll be doing. And so I want to jump in. I'll pray, and then we'll get right into our conversation for the night. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for bringing us together. I pray a blessing on our time. I pray for, for those that have come in here with a heavy heart, uh, with situations that are beyond them, difficulty that maybe nobody else knows about. I pray that you comfort them, minister in them. And I pray that our conversations would be fruitful. I pray that it would um, make us better and ultimately make the world we're in a little better as well. So have your way with us. Stretch our leadership. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, So... This evening, I want to talk to you about how to inspire the people that you lead. And this is a big deal because um, the world we live in today is, is in desperate need for inspiration. Uh, there are a lot of people in the workforce that are working, but they are not terribly engaged. Um, and I would say that... Um, that there are a lot of people that are working uninspired. Um, And people that are uninspired are compliant, if I can say it that way. So as a boss, you can lead someone who's uninspired, but they are probably going to give you the minimum. They're probably gonna give you the minimum effort, the minimum energy, um, all those kind of things. Um, So it's... It's worth it for us to inspire the people we lead, to challenge them, to speak life into them. And, and that's really what we're talking about. Great leaders, the difference between a good leader and a great leader is a great leader inspires the people they follow, not, uh, that they lead. Now, this is, this is the thing. There are some people that are hard to inspire, and there are some people that are uninspirable, if I can say that. I might have just made up a word. But I really do believe there are some people that they're not inspired and it's not your fault, it's their fault. They've got issues, they've got problems, challenges, whatever it is. And as a result of that, it doesn't matter what you do, they're never gonna get over the hump. They're never, gonna, they're never going to uh, work with passion, enthusiasm, those kind of things. 
That does not give you excuse not to try. It just means some people, you gotta know the people on your team, the people you're leading, whoever it might be, just they're never gonna get there. And that's okay. Just know that going in. Um, one of the things I tell you too is no matter what level you lead at, I think our conversation this evening can be helpful for you. So you, whether you are a high level CEO um, or whether you are simply leading in your home and you're a, a parent, I think the principles we talk through will help you lead better and help inspire better. Um, so so why, do, why do we inspire? Why is inspirational leadership important? Um, I'll give you a couple reasons. Um, and these are the ones that, again, I was just thinking through why it matters to me as a leader. Um, I think if you are helping people be inspired, the first thing is it, it drives higher engagement. Um, if people are emotionally engaged, if they feel passionate about what they're doing, um, they're going to have a higher view of the organization. And again, this is true whether it's your kids or whether it's people on your workforce, on your team. Um, the second thing is it, it drives higher retention. Um, I was talking to a, a guy today about this, and he is a, a pretty high-level leader. And we were talking about the fact that um, that a high a high um, salary may not keep someone in place, but a high level of engagement, a high level of buy-in, um, a high level of inspiration can keep somebody around even for lesser pay a lot of times. Um, so it drives retention. Uh, I might've mentioned this. I was talking to a pastor of a, a very large church in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's probably the largest church in the state and they have about 250 employees. And this pastor asked me, he said, hey, how's your retention with your staff been through COVID? And I said, it's been, it's been good. You know, we've lost our youth pastor, but other than that, we haven't lost anybody. I'm no, not you know, facility team, not admin, pastors, you know, just one. And he said, how did that happen? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, uh, Mel, right now we are looking for 53 staff members. And it was like, <gasps> like I started getting anxiety thinking about that. But they have a lot more staff. But he said, we've had so much turnover that, that like that's a new job for us. And um, after that conversation, I was proud because I was like, man, God, thank you for doing what you're doing because um, we can retain our team. And part of that, it's not because we're paying them the most. It is because we have a high level of engagement. They really believe in what they do, they're doing. Um, they, they feel inspired because of the nature of our job. So it drives higher retention. I really believe that. And then the last thing I would mention in regards to why inspiration is important is it, is it drives higher uh, performance. People that are highly engaged, people that feel inspired are going to perform better than people that are just compliant, people that are just collecting a paycheck, uh, people that are just on the team. So, um, so this is why I think we have to lead in an inspirational kind of way. Um, one of the challenges is balancing between uh, inspiring and motivating and being pushy. So how do we inspire, how do we motivate without just breathing down people's necks? And sometimes that's a fine line to, to walk because we want to send out emails, inspirational emails. You can do it. Here's a quote. Here's a story. You know, we want to do all these things, but if we're not careful, it can come off as pushy. It can come off as micromanaging, those kind of things. And so I, I feel like there's not a magic solution to that. 
Uh, but I think the things we're going to talk about, the, these next five things will help us um, manage that. And there are going to be times that you're still going to be interpreted as being pushy or being overbearing or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I would rather risk that at times than risk, um, risk not motivating our teams at all um, and, and being, letting the pendulum swing the other way. So uh, I got five things. Uh, if you take notes, awesome. You can write these down. Uh, and if you write your email in the email slot on the sign-in sheet this evening, you'll get these tomorrow morning to you one way or the other. And one of the things I always encourage you to do if you find this valuable, share this with your team. I don't care. You don't have to give me credit. You can say you made this up yourself. I don't care a bit. If it adds value to you and it'll add value to your team, it doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, and if it stinks and it's horrible, you don't have to, you can just say, no, thank you. I'm good. Uh, so here are five ways that we can become inspiring leaders. Um, the first is this, be personable, but not a pushover. Um, and this is another one of those tensions we have to manage at times. Um, it's easy for us to wear hats like, I'm the boss, I'm going to be the boss. And I don't want to know about your personal life. I don't want to know about your, your kids. I don't need to know about that. I need you to do your job. Um, and there's an issue there, especially in the culture and the world we live in today. Um, we have to be personable. And Sometimes we think being personable is being the opposite end of that spectrum, where if, if I'm my employee's friends, now they're going to be like, hey, I really need to take off today because uh, I might have left the burner on on my stove. And you're like, okay, take the rest of the day off, or um, <coughs> I don't know if I feel so good. Well, go ahead and take off, no problem, because you don't want to be a mean guy. You don't want to be the boss. You don't, so you end up being a pushover. And so this is where it's really important for us to be personable, but not a pushover as well. You can be invested in your team. You can know them well. You can let them know you well. Um, and I think you're going to be a better leader when you do that. I think you're going to create um, people on your team that are inspired to be engaged with what's going on if they feel valued. Sociologists talk about three fundamental human needs. Um, to feel safe, to feel like you belong, and to feel like you matter. And there are other ways that can be said. I just made it simple. This is me you're talking to. So people want to feel safe. Um, and one of the most important things we can do with a team is help them feel safe. Help them feel like um, if you make a mistake, your job's not on the line. You know, I'm looking for a reason to get rid of you. Um, to feel like they belong, help them know like they matter in your organization. Uh, help them feel like they matter. They're, they're what they're doing is important. Um, and again, there's application here for your family too. Think about your kids, those of you that have kids. Um, one of the most important things a, a mom and a dad can do for their kids is to help them feel safe. Help them feel like, hey, no matter what is going on outside, inside this house, you are good. Mom and dad got you, right? Dad's got you, you don't have to worry about a thing. Uh, and the same thing is true with your employees. If they feel safe, hey, no matter what the market is doing, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what is going on in our segment of this industry, we're gonna be okay, we got this. Um, and that's important, to feel like they belong, same thing. The only way they can, that we can help people feel like they belong is if they feel like they're known. 
Um, hey, you belong here. There, there's a place for you in our organization. You, you matter here. What you do is special. One of the things we do a lot of times is we value what somebody does, but we don't value them. And this is what being personable is about, helping them understand, like, we don't just value what you do, we value you as a person. Um, and this can be shown in a million different ways, but the problem is a lot of times as leaders, we just don't do it. A lot of times as leaders, we value the bottom line, we value performance, and the second someone doesn't perform well, um, we are, we're looking to pull the cord on them. And part of the issue is, um, well, part of the issue is um, we're not treating them like they're human sometimes. Um, and, and I would say this, knowing your team helps you trust them. If I know the people and I don't just look at their performance, it's gonna help me trust them more. If I know what's going on in their lives, um, I'm gonna have a higher level of buy-in in their life. Um, and that requires me being personable. Um, I think you should treat people like what they do is important. Um, treat people like they as a human being are important. One of the things we tell our staff all the time is, um, I tell my, my team, like, I value you, not just as a unit of value, like not just what you can contribute to the organization, but I love you because of who you are. And in your context, it might not be appropriate to tell your team you love them. It might be weird, but in our context, it's okay. We're in church. So I can tell them, I love you, um, whether you perform here or here. Now, that might change what your role is and what you can be doing, some of those kind of things, but I want them to feel like they're valued as human beings. Now, again, I said, but not a pushover. And here's where we wanna value people and love people, but we can still hold them to a high standard. We can still hold people to, um, well, a, a standard where we ex uh, express to them what the expectations are, express to them what we believe in them, all those kind of things. And if they don't meet it, just because we love them doesn't mean we can't have hard conversations. And that's the balance we have to walk. And I think when we can do that, I really do believe people are inspired. I believe people, um, their hearts are engaged, not just their uh, minds, not just their, the, the workforce itself. So be personable, but not a pushover. Second thing I would tell you is this, be real, but resilient. Now, for those of you that like alliteration, I gotta warn you, that's not gonna last, okay? So it was, um, the first one was be personal but not a pushover, be real but not resilient. Um, here's what I would tell you. Um, I've, I've served under leaders who, well, how would I say that? They weren't just optimistic, they were, they were dishonest, <laughs> right? They, they weren't honest at all about what was going on, and they were optimistic simply to protect themselves in hindsight. Um, and what happens, people aren't stupid. People see that. And when you are unrealistic, and it's for self-preservation purposes especially, you lose credibility. Um, if you can be realistic um, about the situation, especially when things aren't good, but still present an optimistic future, it's amazing how people respond. I was talking to somebody uh, this last week. They made a comment. We, we shared our, our year in review video with our church this last weekend and, uh, and with the membership the weekend before. And in those videos, we're honest about, hey, here's what our income was. Here's what our expenses were. Here's what we spent on. 
And we're even honest about bad stuff sometimes. Like, hey, this didn't go like we expected. Hey, our numbers didn't look like we hoped they would. Um, But even when we are presenting real information that's not always the best, we can do it in a resilient kind of way. We can do it in a way that we say, hey, but this isn't where we're gonna be. I believe there's something more for us. And um, a lot of people in your organization are gonna follow what you do, not what you say. So if, if you say, man, guys, uh, last quarter was really bad, but don't worry, it's gonna be great. We're gonna get through this thing together. People are gonna be like, we are not gonna get through this thing. We're in trouble. I better get my resume ready, right? But if, if you can communicate, guys, we're gonna be okay. I don't know what it's gonna look like. Um, but here's, here's some bad news. I'm being real, but man, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna navigate this. We're gonna make changes. I'm, we're gonna do whatever it takes to make sure we're all right. That goes back to that safe thing that we talked about as a parent. It's amazing how people being honest will build credibility. It'll build more trust. Um, Cause I had somebody this last weekend, they said, Mel, um, when you talked about hey, our baptisms aren't where they were, it should be, you know, we feel like they should be here. He said, I'm so appreciative that you were honest about that and you didn't try to sugarcoat it and act like everything was great. And, and it was like, that goes back to that idea that we're gonna be real, but we're gonna be resilient as well. We're gonna bounce back, we're gonna do better. And if we don't, we're gonna look at it and try to figure it out. And your team needs to see that. Your team needs to see you being real, but resilient. Hey, um, things didn't go like we wanted them to, but, but it's gonna get better. We're gonna be okay, we got this. Um, and when you do that, it really does, it inspires people. They, they believe at a different level, their hearts are engaged more when we're real and, um, and resilient as well. Uh, the third thing is this, be clear but kind. I know a lot of people that are clear, but they are jerks, right? They're very direct and they go, well, I'm brutally honest. No, you're just a brute, right? You're mean. No wonder nobody wants to sit with you because you're just a jerk about stuff. So I think you can be clear and kind at the same time. Um, Again, this isn't about being a pushover and well, I just want everybody to like me. Um, Clarity is so important when it comes to building uh, a team that is inspired and engaged because ambiguity creates uncertainty. Um, When you are ambiguous about a whole host of different things that we can be communicating, uh, it creates uncertainty with your team. And one of the worst things that can happen on your team is for uncertainty to begin to grow. Because, um, okay, let me give you an example. Um, So um, let's say you add a a staff member in whatever your organization looks like. You add a high-level staff member but you didn't announce it to the team, you didn't communicate it to the team, you didn't tell them what was happening, a team member just shows up. Hey guys, I wanna introduce so-and-so to you. They are now leading this division. They're now over this group of people right here. That's gonna create problems. And the reason it's gonna create problems is because there's uncertainty. People are going, wait a second, who is this? Why do we need him? Why is this important? How has this changed my role? Um, even in, in our staff, whenever we add a staff member, one of the very first things that staff members think, this is normal, by the way, our team isn't broken because they do this. One of the very first things they do is go, how does this impact me? 
because we are humans and we are selfish by nature, right? So we go, how does this impact me? So one of the most important things we can do is be clear about whatever it is we're trying to do. We can be clear about, hey, you know what? We've got this problem with our organization. We're not achieving this. We're not getting here like we'd like to. So we're gonna bring in somebody who's gonna help us do this better. They're gonna help us maximize this effort and they're gonna be leading this team. But don't you worry, I'm still gonna be involved. Like there's a way you can do that to bring clarity. Does that make sense? And still be kind at the same time because ambiguity uh, causes people to feel unsafe. And again, let's go back to what we talked about a minute ago. A good parent is gonna help their kids feel safe. Your team wants to feel safe. And whenever we introduce ideas or topics, uh, we've all had leaders that we served or that we worked for that would change directions at a moment's notice, right? They would be like, here's what we're doing. This is our new initiative. And then they would get an idea and they'd go, no, 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 this is our new initiative. Here's where we're going. And people get whiplash, right? They're like, what in the world just happened? Like we were committed to this. Now we're not committed to that. We're committed to this. This is the stuff, this, these changes at a moment's notice, that's what, that's what creates ambiguity. That's what creates this feeling of it's not being safe because we don't really know where we're going and we're not really clear about where we're going and we're not communicating why we're making changes and one of the things I realized um, early on as a pastor is um, I was good at making changes, but I wasn't always good at leading through changes. Does that make sense? Um, like I could have an idea and go, man, this is where we need to go. And I could clearly understand why we needed to do it. But what I realized sometimes is I left people behind because I wasn't clearly communicating why we need to do that. I wasn't helping people be led through that process. So we have to be clear. There's some things we have to be clear about. Um, we have to communicate clearly expectations. I think if we don't communicate expectations, we should expect failure. Um, we should expect to be disappointed with our teams. If we're not communicating, hey, we expect this out of you so that they know and you know. Um, again, there's ambiguity and they're not going to meet your expectations. Do you know why I know that? Because they're not mind readers. So you've got to communicate. Here's what the expectations are for you. You have to clearly communicate correction. Um, this is probably a conversation we'll come back to at some point um, in the next few months, just how to have hard conversations because I don't think we can ever have that conversation enough because uh, it's hard, right? It's hard to correct our teams. Let's be honest, we don't even love correcting our kids. Um, some of us, maybe you do love correcting your kids. We need to talk, right? But, but we don't even love it. That's why parents don't correct their kids because they feel like it's easier not to. But it's important for us to have correcting conversations and be clear about those. And one of the biggest mistakes leaders make is we think we have a correcting conversation that the person who's being corrected doesn't realize that's what it was because um, we're, we're not clear enough, right? We're like, oh, well, you know, how, how are you feeling about your performance? And I feel like I'm doing really well. You know, I feel like, I'm, okay, good. Is anything you think you could improve on? Well, you know what, I just... I feel like I'm too nice sometimes. And you're like, oh, okay, well, we'll keep working on it. And then the conversation ends and you're like, I think that went well. And it's like, no, you're lying to yourself, right? Like they don't know that there was an issue. They don't know what the real problem was. So we just have to be clear, uh, clearly communicate correction. One of the other things that we don't communicate clearly at time is praise. Um, and you, well, yeah, I'll tell them good job, but are we specific? Are we clearly communicating what they did a good job on? Hey, good job with that. Or we, man, you know what? You did this and here's why I love that you did that. Here's why I love, it. man, it, 
It goes back to this value we have as an organization. And I appreciate you embodying, whatever it is, but communicate clearly what they did well. Um, not just their performance, because this is the thing I've realized. Um, people want respect, not just recognition. They, just, they don't want just somebody going, hey, they did a good job, but they want to be valued as a part of the team. They want to be respected. So are we just acknowledging they did a good job? Or are we respecting the person they are? Um, gosh, there are a million resources out there talking about vision. We're not gonna spend much time talking about vision, but never underestimate the value of vision in your organization, not just in your organization, in your family even. Uh, having a clear vision for who you wanna be, who you're becoming, um, and communicating that. And so I think we have to com continually communicate that to our teams um, so that we understand, hey, this is our North Star. This is what we navigate by. This is how we make decisions. This is clear vision for who we are and who we're becoming. Um, so it's a vision for the future. Here's where I want us to go. Um, and it's a vision for why their work matters. What you're doing is important and here's why it's important because here are the outcomes that it's producing and here's how it's making the world better, how it's making people better, how it's making our shareholders richer, whatever it is that your team is doing. That's why it's important. I told, um, I told my wife and some of our staff are here in the room that we had a, a staff retreat in January. I was so happy we did it. Like it was so good for my soul because maybe you guys are a lot like I am. During COVID, um, COVID kind of became survival mode for a lot of people. Like we just want to get through this. Like we just want to not die. That was the goal for COVID. Like we don't want the organization to die. We don't want, we don't want to physically die. We don't want to emotionally, you know, like just survive. That's the goal. And, um, and even for me as a pastor, I consider myself a visionary leader uh, to some extent or another, but I realized after our staff retreat, and I, I shared some stuff with our staff that probably our church will never hear because it's for our team, that I just said, man, here's what I feel like God's speaking to me. And here's where, here's some direction that I feel like God has given us. And I just really tried to share some vision with them. Like, here's what's going on in my heart. And it was, it was so good for me to hear so much feedback from our team going, yeah, let's go. Like, man, I'm excited about that. Like, I believe it, let's go. And I told Kim afterwards, I said, I, um, I regret the fact that it took me so long to realize during COVID that I was looking at my next step and that was all, let's take this step. Okay, there's another step, let's take that step. But as a leader, we, we've gotta have an eye on the next step, but we have to have an eye on the horizon too. And what I realized is, man, I kind of dropped my eyes off the horizon. I, I kind of stopped looking at what is down the road and what could be and, and helping our team dream because I wasn't dreaming much. Does that make sense? And so as a result, I was not clearly communicating vision because I was communicating, hey, the vision is let's not die, right? And that is not inspiring. Nobody's like, yes, survival. Like it's necessary, but that is not gonna inspire and engage and, and help your team function at a high level. So they have to have vision. They have to have something that like, they can latch onto, something to dream for, believe in, and chase after. So that's not going to happen unless we clearly communicate that. So be clear but kind. Number four, be passionate but consistent. I told you the alliteration would end. I'm sorry. I couldn't come up with another P that meant consistent. I didn't want to break out the thesaurus. So um, be passionate but consistent. I, I followed some passionate leaders who... 
um, they had really high highs and really low lows, and that was exhausting. Because um, when things were good, the, the organization was good, everything was good, but when things were bad, it was really bad. And what you can't do is lead your team that way. Um, you have to be passionate, but it's got to be bridled, if I can say it that way. Um, you've, you've gotta, it's got to be controlled passion. You can't let your emotions lead you too high or too low because your team is following you. Um, you want to be steady when things seem out of control. Um, you want to be that calming presence. Um, you you want to celebrate with them, but you don't necessarily want to be the one at the top of the pyramid, right? Like you want to be celebrating with them, but you want to make sure that you are measured in letting your emotions uh, run you. So just remember, you set the tone for your team. Um, so if, if you're wondering why your team is bottomed out, you might look at yourself and go, oh, hey, it's because I'm bottomed out. Like, oh, hey, I feel cruddy. Like, I'm a little depressed or I'm struggling with my emotions. Okay, well, your team probably is too because you're setting the tone. Um, so be passionate, but be consistent. Your team needs that. Uh, there's enough inconsistency in their world without a team leader or a mom or a dad or a boss being inconsistent as well. Uh, the last thing is this, be knowledgeable but humble. Um, if you don't know a little bit about what you're trying to do, you're gonna be in trouble. So be knowledgeable, get smarter. Um, you don't have to be the smartest one in the room. I've said before, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? You need people in the room that are smarter than you. So I'll give you an example from, from our context. In our context, um, I don't wanna to have to tell all of our department leaders what to do. I want them to be smarter about their department than I am. Um, if, if I have to tell the youth ministry how to do youth ministry, why do we need a youth pastor? And uh, so I want them to be smarter about that than I am, but I need to know enough about it that I can speak into it, that I can help, that we can have an intelligent conversation. When they come to me and go, hey, I'm struggling with this idea, I can speak into that. And in order to do that, I've got to continually get better. Um, so with any area of our church, I want to be able to speak into that and help, but I need people doing that that are smarter than I am at that area. Um, so know enough to lead well, but humble enough to keep learning. Keep learning, keep growing, keep understanding. I don't have this all figured out just because I'm in charge of my organization or because I'm in charge of this team or this family. Um, it's important for me to get better. Um, I heard somebody say one time, learn more than you lecture. Uh, and so I think this is really important. I think parents especially, we're good at being lecturers, but we're bad at being learners sometimes. And I think we need to learn more than we lecture. And even as a, as a leader in your organization, um, it's easy to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm at the top of the pyramid now, and I've, I'm the master of this uh, knowledge, and everybody just comes to me. But that's why doctors and teachers and lots of professionals have ongoing education that they have to do because it's not enough to know what you know. You have to continue to figure out what you don't know too. Um, and so be knowledgeable, but be humble about it. You don't have to be the smartest one. And I understand there's an excellent chance you probably aren't the smartest one. And I feel like these are some basics, but if you do these things, you're gonna be able to inspire your team well. Um, you're gonna be the kind of leader that, naturally inspires. There are some nuts and bolts things you can do as far as being disciplined about communication and when you communicate. Um, there are some things you can do as far as like, hey, we're going to have a weekly team meeting or, you know, things like that that can help depending on your context. 
Um, but I wanted to be able to talk to you about some, some principles that I felt like were applicable no matter what kind of organization you're leading or where you're leading at, how big or small. Um, so let me, let me kick it back to you guys. Uh, anything you feel like these lists, lists are lacking, anything you go, hey, you know what, we could add this to that, or hey, um, have you thought about, let's throw some of those out there if you've got some, and if you've got some questions about some of the things we've talked about, let's go through some of that as well. Let's just talk through it. And uh, I would love to hear what some of you have to say about some of that as well. So questions, comments about things we left off the list that maybe are important that I forgot about, lay it on me. How do you reverse a bad leadership decision while keeping your team from experiencing whiplash or lack of consistency? I think it goes back to honesty. I think um, one of the hardest things as a parent to do is apologize to your kids, to go to your child and go, hey, daddy was wrong, I'm really sorry. Um, But I've had to do that with my kids a few times. It's humbling, but it's good. And I think the same thing is good for leaders. Like if a leader blows it and they know they blow it and the people, your team knows you blew it, the best thing for you to do is to go to your team and go, you know what, I changed directions, I shouldn't have changed directions. Or hey, we changed directions and that was the right decision, but the way we implemented it was all wrong and that's my fault, I'm sorry. Because again, that honesty is gonna build credibility with your team and they might go, yep, you were dumb, you did that the wrong way, but at least they're gonna know that you were being authentic and real and and honest, and that's one of the most important things you can do. So what else, any other thoughts on that question? How do you adapt when you blew it, (laughs) when you made the wrong decision? I think one of the things to do too is to ask your team, do you feel like we make too many changes and you get whiplash? And some of them will not be honest with you, but some of them will, and that's helpful, if you wanna hear that. (laughs) What else? A couple of our regulars aren't here tonight that kind of grease the wheel, so Michael might be asking all the questions. So when I think about someone who's passionate, does being passionate have to mean being high energy, or do you know leaders that are mostly calm all the time and still effective? No, I don't. I, I, think, I, think the, I don't know if this is the right way to say this. The rah-rah leader, um, that feels phony to me, and maybe because that's not who I am. So like, I'm never gonna be the person that comes into all staff and I'm like, how are we doing? Like, whoa, you know, this is not how I'm wired. Like, that's just not who I am. But um, I feel like that's not sustainable. That's not scalable because most people aren't like that. But I think you can work with passion and people can hear your passion as you're talking and communicating without being the, like the rah-rah guy or girl. Um, I don't think that's necessary. But if it's who you are, I also don't think it's a problem either. So yeah, Luke. Yeah, if you don't mind, pass the mic over there. And Michael, are we getting good audio on that mic on the on the web mix? Do you know? Okay, perfect. Luke? Give me one moment. I have to remember my questions. Oh, great. Now, um, <clears throat> how do you translate, not the right word, how do you teach your team, like, if you're, so you want to be personable, mm-hmm. okay? So, when I was in the military, there was no please and thank you. I don't think, <laughs> right. we, I don't think we knew what the words meant. There's now yeah. and 10 minutes ago, right? Um, and so I've been in business for almost 10 years. I've come a long ways with pleases and thank yous and understanding that people have feelings. Yeah. Um, Good for you, by the way. It's well hard done. for me. Well I'm, done. I'm growing as a person, okay? <laughs> so, but sometimes... It's do it, do it now, because now is an emergency, or now is a yeah. situation, or now is it's almost 
dark and we're not yeah. going to see. So what I'm getting at is how do you educate your team that that's what you're doing? You're not being inconsistent. Yeah. It's go time. So go. Okay. So um, I love John Maxwell. Um, one of the things Maxwell talks about is making deposits and withdrawals. And I think you make deposits, you continually make those deposits in your team so that you can make that withdrawal when you like, you got to get this stuff done now. Okay. Like I love you, but you got to get your work done, you know, and, and you can always come back, especially if something's real time sensitive, like we need this right now. You can always come back and go, Hey, I want you to understand my heart. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to be clear with you that I love you. I try to be clear with you about man, this is a good place for you to be. You're a valuable part of this team. You know, I've tried to communicate that on the front end. And so when I communicate that, it doesn't change how I feel, but it's just in the moment, th these things have to be done. And so I think you can always come back and communicate that. But I think you invest and invest and invest and invest and invest so that you can have those moments if you have to. Um, even with correcting conversations, I think the way we can be... Um, the, the way we can be clear but kind is that we are investing, 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 investing. And when it's time to go, you kind of stink at your job, right? Uh, and you wouldn't say it like that. That's not very kind. But you know what I'm saying. When you need to correct them, you can correct them in kindness because you've been making these investments the whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? Ideas? Well, speaking of investing in your staff, would you say to somebody who maybe is working their way up through an organization who's really good at like tasks or getting certain jobs done, and because of that, they get the top spot, um, would you say that it's smart for that person to expect to now, once they're in the top spot, be spending the majority of their time investing in their staff over against doing things that they used to consider important? Um. I mean, this is that, and I, th I think this is what you're talking about. This is kind of the classic case of, hey, this is a great salesman. Let's promote him to a manager. He goes to a manager, and he's a terrible manager because he's good like at If he sales. doesn't like people or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's great at sales. He's great with people. He's good at the lunch. He's good at all that stuff. He's bad managing a team. And, um, and so I think it depends on the context. Um, but I know, yeah, like you and I have talked about, in our organization – um, as far as our, our staff goes, we don't want just people who do work. We want people who raise up people to do work because that's part of what we're called to do, according to Scripture, is to um, equip the saints for the work of ministry. So if we just have a team of people that work, then that doesn't help us grow or reach more people. So we're capped. And so for us, it very much is, hey, you might work, but there's going to be a limit to where you can get in our organization because we need leaders of leaders. We don't just need workers. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think at some point you're going to have to make some, you know, shift in order to go to another level. Because every level demands something new and different. If it didn't, then it would just be flat, right? Um, if everybody did the same thing and we all have the same role and we all have the same, you know, that's the way the organization would look. But yeah, you got a question all the way across the room. Michael's getting his cardio in tonight. This really isn't a question. It's more of you asked for a contribution towards yeah. being a better leader. Yeah. Um, there's a thing called emotional intelligence that, yeah. that I was, was on not my very list. good at. Yeah, that was, emotional intelligence was on the list, but it's like, oh, this is not comprehensive. But, but I think that's a huge part. Yeah, because, I mean, it, I guess when you break it down, there's four types of people 
when we break it down in terms of emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. conscientious thinkers and overachievers and those type of people in, on a team. Um, and if you are one of the people, let's say hypothetically, that I knew somebody that was a type A personality, the arrows coming at them typically doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You don't really care. It doesn't matter what's said to you. The next conversation is, do you want to go grab lunch? Yeah. However, when you interact with people on your staff and team members that are conscientious thinkers, mm-hmm. they typically have an emotional intelligence that any word said to them goes directly to their heart yeah. and they compartmentalize it. And that ability as a leader to recognize the mm. importance of that within your staff and trying to pick up those cues of different people on your team mm-hmm. will make you a much better leader and respected by all of them as opposed to someone going home really upset with a boss that didn't understand they had a great conscientious thinker. Yeah. Spoken from someone with experience. Yeah, I had a, I had an inkling maybe that was. Um, so yeah, if if you're if you're not familiar with emotional intelligence, it's kind of a it has been kind of a hot buzzword in leadership for the last couple of years probably. Um, really, what we're just to oversimplify this emotional intelligence, we're really talking about self awareness for the most part, like. How, how do I feel? How am I interacting with the people around me? How do they perceive me? Like, and that's, that's hard to be high-level emotional intelligence. We did a, a leadership night on that topic. I just looked at my notes. Uh, July of 2020, which feels like 15 years ago. Um, but in July of 2020, we did uh, the topic. And I don't know if that would be archived somewhere. Michael, do you have any idea? Would we have that somewhere? So, yeah, we, it is somewhere, um, and uh, anyway, so if you're interested in that, uh, let me know, and we can probably get you the audio from that at least, but that was from, yeah, July of, of 2020, and, and it's, sometimes leaders will want to do all the things we've talked about, you know, be personable and real and clear and all that stuff, but they're, they're not capable of it because they're so unaware of who they really are that it's the roadblock, and so, yeah, what you said is 100% accurate. I think emotional intelligence is huge. That's one other thing I wanted to tie into this as being mm-hmm. a leader. Um, how, do, how do you view mentorship as falling into the leadership role? Because I, I had the privilege of having a great mentor that was kind of my leader as well that kind of shaped me and my professional career. Mm-hmm. And too often I don't hear about it enough in organizations, especially with this remote work that we're all faced with. You'd, yeah. It's hard to to project the importance of that because we are going to go back to a sense of normalcy. But I see younger talent that is lost oftentimes in companies yeah. because they don't have the proper mentor taking them to that next level and not extracting their true potential to ultimately you want to mentor somebody to replace you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and um, in case you're wondering... We did a leadership night on that too back in uh, December of 2019. I looked at the notes. Uh, we we talked about how to find a mentor, and um, and here's the thing. And then I appreciate what you said. Most people, um, most people who should be mentoring someone aren't looking for someone to mentor. 
because they're high-level achievers, they're working really hard, they're whatever. Um, and so this is where the, the onus on mentorship comes back to the person who needs a mentor. Um, and just because somebody needs it doesn't mean they want it. So if they need it and want it, that's where I would say, go find one. Go kick down some doors until somebody goes, yep, I'll invest in you uh, for a season or a lifetime or whatever that means. But yeah, I think that's, that's critical. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I'm going to say this. There would be people who would look at our church or at me as the pastor and be like, oh, well, that's, he's a successful pastor. But I also understand I've got a long way to go. So that's why I've got mentors in my life because they are further down the road than I am. And they're the kind of pastors that I want to be someday. And so I, I, I chase them down and I will spend time with them. And I'll say, when can I take you to lunch and, in order to make myself better? But then there's also people that I'm leading to, that I'm speaking into, that I'm, and so it's, it's huge. It's so important. Um, in terms of building a culture and building inspirational teams, I think there's an aspect of that for sure. But, but yeah, I think overall leadership, it's, it's really, really important for leaders to seek out a mentor. So that's good. We're just playing ping pong, going back and forth across the room. Yeah, you're good. Um, I have, because you, I, I, I disagree with you on a saying, and so that was a little hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll edit this part out. Yeah. yeah. Um, the saying, what you said under number five, um, about you don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. Uh-huh. I kind of pictured that and what it would look like if everyone kept walking out of the room, because somebody's the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I think the saying should be, be okay not being the smartest person in the room, because to use your example for youth ministry, what if someone's a brand new youth pastor? Yeah. Does that mean you're not going to know anything that they don't know? I mean, you may be smarter than them at youth pastoring yeah. in the moment. The hope would be to someday not be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think uh, depending on where your organization is at, that's different too. If you're a startup and you're in your garage, there's a good chance <laughs> you're going to be the smartest one in the room, right? Um, but it's not necessarily, that, that statement is not just um, literal, it, it's also aspirational. It, it's both of those things. Um, and so it depends on where your organization is, but like, you know, and it depends on who you are too. Bill Gates is not going to sit in very many rooms where he's not the smartest guy. Elon Musk is not going to sit in a room very many times that he's not the smartest guy. But I think what Elon Musk would say is there are a whole bunch of things about um, about aeronautical engineering I have no clue about. That's why I've got these aeronautical engineers. There's a whole bunch of things about uh, battery life that I don't understand and engineering an efficient battery for automobiles that I don't get. But I'm smart enough to get these guys in the room with me. And does that make sense? Right. And that's so there's right. elements that's of both of that for sure. Right. And he's yeah. smart enough to know that he needs to find smarter people in categories. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I don't, yeah, you can disagree with me. You're wrong, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. Um, so I have to like think of my question in my head again. Um, all right. Whenever you're building a team and you're recruiting people, I feel like inspiration's a two-way street. You, wanna, you have to want to be inspired as well. So Absolutely. Are, you, are there characteristics you look for in someone when you are, you are bringing on employees that you're like, oh, they seem like the type of employee I, I could inspire to go to mm-hmm. the next level? Um, I mean, 
My staff has heard me say this a million times, and if you've been at Leadership Night more than once, you've probably heard me say this, but the best indication of future performance is past performance. So if I wanna predict what somebody will do, I'll look at what they have done. And if there's somebody who functions, generally speaking, with a lot of passion, enthusiasm, you know, and you look at what they've done in the past, and it's like, okay, these are people that are all in. You know, like, it's a pretty good chance. But if you look at somebody and, you know, and I really do believe there's some people that are uninspirable. Yeah. And you're going to see that if you I talk about them. their background mm-hmm. and yeah. what have you done. And, man, what do you get really excited about? And they're like, well, I mean, I love my cat. It's like, <laughs> well, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's things you can read and body language and things like that. So I think I would ask about what have you done? What have you been passionate about? You know, what have you um, stayed up all night working on, okay. you know, like I would yeah. be asking about what have you done in the past? Cause that'll give you an indication to me. What does it look like moving okay. forward? Thanks. That's a good question. I like that. Over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've heard the saying, it's like the 80, 20, where you have yeah, yeah. 20% of your staff. They're like your worker bees. They do everything great. They're amazing. And then the other 80, they're kind of like, eh, you're, you're spending mm-hmm. more of your time with them. Yeah. What are your thoughts, I guess, on how to invest fairly in those staff members? Because I feel like sometimes you're giving more of your time to that 80% versus the 20% that really, truly probably deserve your time more. Yeah. I don't know if I'm wording that right, but. Um, two things I would say, and I'll open this up for you guys to feedback, give some feedback too. Uh, first thing is, um, if you're responsible for the 80 and 20 that are on your team, I would figure out how to do better about who I bring on the team. Um, that's going to be some that comes back to the leader. Like, am I, do I have the right people in place? Have I selected the right people, invited the right, whatever it is. The other thing I would say is, um, oh gosh, I'm going to be giving away some trade secrets here because most of you guys go to this church. Um, <laughs> if there's somebody who is in the, the noisy 80% that's not producing much, I try not to, I try not to invest in them. I just, <laughs> I thank God for Pastor Dick Motzing because I'm like, hey, Pastor <laughs> Dick, uh, this person needs to meet with somebody. Would you mind sitting down with them? <laughs> Sounds horrible, but it's like, um, I, can't, I can't give my best time to the people that are not producing any return at all. And so... I want to spend time in, with people that's going to produce a return of some kind. In, in our context, a kingdom return. People that have high potential, high kingdom potential. The, those are the people I want to give my best time to. Am I still going have to have, have to have some terrible conversations and people that are just cranky about something stupid? Yes, I'm still going to have to do that because that's <laughs> part of my job. But I want to give my best time to the people that's going to produce the best return. Does that make sense? And really, I can say this sincerely, there is no one on our team, top to bottom, no matter where they're at on the org chart, that I would say I would not spend time with them. They're not worth, worth investing in. Uh, whether it's our facility team, admin, no matter who they are, pastors, residents, whatever. Um, and I'm grateful for that. But I also know that's not the case on every team. So um, if you can get somebody else to help invest in, I would do that. I would, that's where I would get real good at delegation. Uh, but yeah. Working on that. <laughs> well, and, and I have help because like, uh, it was Tracy Galley for years. Like I would just tell Tracy, you know this church and you know the people. And if it's not somebody I should be investing in, don't let them be on my calendar. Like, 
direct them to somebody else, and she helped with that. Um, and, and I have to be proactive about it too when somebody goes, hey, I really want to meet with you. It's like, okay, what do you need to talk about? Well, I want to talk to you about da 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 And I'm like, nope, that's nope. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to have time to visit with you, but I, I would love to connect you with somebody else on our staff to talk about that. Because it's like, you're valuable. We, we want your voice to be heard, but I can't invest in that. That sounds really arrogant. I get that. It's coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, jerk, but I'm just being honest. So does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Passing it across. Hey, Ryan. Hey, so this might be a little bit more technical, but on your question, so the Pareto principle is the 80-20, and it's a quality control function. And so while 20% of your top performers are producing 80% of your results, the opposite's true as well. So if you address the bottom 20%, they're probably creating 80% of your problems. So if you address those while you're coaching the top 20 and address those two 40%, that 40% of the total staff, you probably have a huge impact. Look at you, dropping some Pareto principles. I was trying to think, I, I, I was trying to think, I think a few months ago we talked about the Pareto principle a little bit, but I don't remember now. I, I think it's Jack Walsh uh, had said that to, to expect 10% of your people to leave each year. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he was, I think, really trying to say was your lowest 10% of performers, you Hopefully. should be ignoring yeah. and let them move on. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, let me, and are you talking about um, Jack Welch, GE? Neutron Jack, oh, that guy's a rock star. Um, doesn't always apply in Christian context, but um, there's, there is a, a, a Christian, um, oh, he's a, a church consultant and author. His name's Sam Chan. And I might've mentioned this to you guys before. One of my favorite things Sam Chan ever said is, you choose who you lose. Um, and if I, as a pastor, cater to the people that are always complaining and always griping and never have anything good to say, I'm gonna keep them around but I'm gonna lose the people that I don't wanna lose. Um, but if I, if I let the cranky people who are gonna stay cranky be cranky and I don't try to cater to them, they might leave, but I'm gonna be able to retain the people I would wanna retain. And I would say the same thing's probably true on your team. I think that's what you were getting at to some degree. Um, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but sometimes we should replace the wheel sometimes and not just give it grease. So yeah, that's good. Uh, Linda Hall online said that it strikes me that different people need different things in order to be inspired. So we have to differentiate our approach with different team members in order to inspire and motivate them. Yeah, that's and that's a great point, Linda Hall watching online. Appreciate your contribution. Uh, The best coach I ever had, uh, his name was Brett Close. He was my high school basketball coach. And he recognized the fact that some of the players responded to being cursed out and some of them responded to being patted on the back. And I was the one that if you cussed me, uh, I was probably gonna disengage. Uh, it was like, oh really, okay, cool, I see how you feel. Um, and I'm still probably the same way, so whenever Kim cusses me, I'm like, fine, I'll disengage, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But, but he understood that principle, like, hey, there's some of my, my team, I'm gonna have to pull them aside and go, hey man, are you okay? And, and so I think it's important for us to do the same thing. Yeah, Luke. You made me think of another question. Um, I thought of, when you said your, your, your best coach, I thought of my best coach. Mm-hmm. And he would always ask us, you know, what we thought he wanted us to be. And we'd always say, better wrestlers. He said, no, I want you to grow up to be better people. Yeah. And that's what he always said. And we never got the question right because we're 14 and 
never remembered the answer. Yeah. But I remembered it now. And so that's what he always wanted. And so with your team, and this is a personal thing that I am terrible at, articulating what is in my mind to the folks that are around me. Yeah. I can see the vision, but I have trouble speaking the vision. So how do you, how do you get better at that? I know where I want to go. I know this is what I like to drive. I know where I'm going. Well, <laughs> well at some point, mm -hmm. I can't always be driving. Yeah. Right? I actually had one of those moments today. My cousin did something, and I really felt like I'm not needed anymore. I had a moment where I was angry about it, really did. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know why I'm feeling angry. This is the goal. My cousin yeah. did everything start to finish without me, mm -hmm. achieved the goal. And I felt hurt that I wasn't involved. I felt stupid and happy at the same time. It was a weird set of emotions, okay? <laughs> you just summarized my life, stupid and happy, right? Like that's, that'll be my, my book I write someday about my life. Mel Massengill, stupid and happy. So. But I guess to go back to the actual question, yeah. how do you improve on... Because they always say cast vision, cast vision. Some people are good at it. Some people aren't. Some people, I feel like myself, as I'm good at seeing it, hard at speaking it, how do you, what would be a, a recommendation yeah. to improve on that? That's good. And again, I'd love to hear some feedback. We've got a few minutes left. But uh, I, I would, first thing I think of is two things. Number one, corporate vision is really important. Here's where we are going. And there's a really powerful concept of like, of ca casting a personal vision for somebody. Because uh, a lot of people struggle with that. You know, they are the looking at my next step person. They don't look at the horizon. And so helping, looking at the horizon for people sometimes is, can be the best thing you could do for them. And hey, here's what I see in you. And uh, we talked to the staff about this. It's the I see in you principle. Like, hey, here's what I see in you. And here's what I believe is possible for you. And sometimes that's going to mean, hey, your future is not at Luke's landscaping. But here's what I believe is possible for you. You know, if you're still here in five years, I'm going to feel like I failed you because your potential is, and casting vision for them is going to help connect their heart and is going to help them understand like, man, he doesn't just want me to do my work. Like he believes in me and he loves me and he's for me, whether I'm part of the organization or not. And so I think that's, that's something you do, but you do it over and over and over and over and over and over. I've, I've told you this before, even from stage, people will joke with me now about what I say at the end of every service, right? And most of you could probably say it. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. And the joke's on you people because you've heard it so often, now you can repeat it. You can make fun of me for it, right? And, uh, and I've heard somebody say, people don't understand vision until they can make fun of you about it when you're not in the room. Um, and so when they can repeat it so often that they can mock you with it, then they get it. And so... Just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it more than you think you need to. So, Todd, were you going to say something with that or something else? Is that my car? It is not. Now it is. Uh, I was waiting to see if you were going to address this part of it, so I'll, I'll throw this in. Go right ahead. Uh, I know for me, it's really helpful if I write it down, right? Um, and so, so like, yeah, I don't know. There's a whole lot more to say to that. Just write it down because if you can read it then on the paper uh, and, you know, it, and it doesn't make sense, then you have the ability then to refine it, to, to go back and to, to change things until you get what you want. One of the things we all, like I talk about as a songwriter and if it, if it looks clean on the paper, 
it probably sings well, right? The same thing is true when you're talking about communication. If it looks clean on the paper, then it's going to translate well to the people that I'm wanting to communicate it to. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, if it's just a nebulous thought, like, well, it's this feeling, and it's never going to happen. We got, we got time for one more. Yeah, so those comments uh, just triggered something in my yeah. mind that when I was a young man, I was thrust into a leadership position that I may or may not have actually been ready to uh, occupy, but I was there. And uh, something that eventually clicked in me that kind of helped me as a leader was just the fact that uh, recognizing that most people really want to be led. They're mm-hmm. looking for that. They're, they're going to be okay with that. Like that was a little bit of a stumbling block for me as a younger guy around a group of people that were way farther down the road, a lot more experienced, but just getting to the place of realizing these guys actually do want to be led. But then when you said about seeing the horizon for them, um, something like the the way I said it was people tend to live down to your expectations every time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why not, like you're saying, look down the road for them and cast that vision, give them that idea and, you know, set that higher bar than what they've ever uh, set for themselves, or maybe they didn't have anyone in their life that ever did that for them. Maybe it yeah. was the opposite. You know, they were always mm-hmm. talked down to and told how poor they were. Yeah. So, man, if you can do that, do the opposite for them, it's an amazing gift to give. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great thought. That's a good one to, to end on for us. Um, I want to challenge you guys. Um, great leadership rests in each of you. Um, and just because you don't lead uh, a Fortune 500 company doesn't mean you're not a good leader. Um, so just ask God to help you lead better um, in your home, in your school, in your workplace, whatever it might be. Um, and we're here for you. We want to help you lead better as well. Um, if tonight's conversation is helpful for your team, helpful for somebody you know, um, whenever the podcast comes out, share it with them. Let them know. Um, if you'd like the notes from our conversation tonight, I'd be delighted to send those out to you. Vanessa Zuro is our office manager here, and she's also my assistant. She'll help. Uh, she'll get that out to you guys in the morning if you signed up on the list. If you're watching online and you're interested, put a note in the contacts, uh, in the comments, put your email address, and we'll get that to you. So let me pray for you, and we'll get out of here. And uh, I'm happy to talk some more if you'd like. Lord, thanks so much for what you've done, uh, what you've spoken to us. God, I pray that uh, something we've talked about tonight would challenge us as leaders and would help us go to the next level. It would be a nugget maybe we could share with our teams to help them get better as well. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't get better just to make us more successful, organizations more successful, but ultimately, God, I pray you'd be glorified through us as we lead well. So God, have your way with us. I pray you would bless us as we leave here. I pray that you would give us a great week that we can um, share your goodness. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Guys, I love you. Have an awesome day.